uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. Everyone in the theater, hold on, family, to his seat, please. Stop it! Stop it! I'm Vincent Price. What unearthly horror did that girl gaze upon? What manner of incredible thing walked beneath that hood? It would be unfair at this time to show you any more of what went on in that laboratory where a man actually dared to play God. So fantastic words can't begin to describe it. You must see it with your own eyes to believe it when the fly comes your way. It isn't like any other fly I've ever seen. I've killed Andre. Please help me. Call the police and... The charge can only be murder. There were no mistresses. I had no lovers. Why did you kill him? God, don't let it get out. Inspector. Inspector, it's in the garden. Come quickly. As God is my witness, I saw the thing. It's unbelievable. I shall never forget that scream as long as I live. The fly is on its way. Watch out for it. It's far beyond anything your mind could ever conceive. Greetings, my fellow galactic travelers, and welcome back to Planet 8. This is your mission commander, Larry, speaking to you from our hidden base. Chief Engineer Bob is here by my side as always in the command center. And circling Planet 8 in our orbital spy satellite is Reconnaissance Officer Karen. And we are back on this episode of Planet 8. We are joined once again by our friend, horror host extraordinaire, Lord Bloodraw. Lord Bloodraw, welcome to the show. We're going to be talking about the Fly films. Uh, the first one was back in 1958. They had a couple of two or three uh, sequels to that. And then famously, Jeff Goldblum had his go uh, at the Fly franchise, or at least a film in the 80s. But straight away, let's uh, kick it over to Lord Bloodraw, and we'll start talking about this classic Vincent Price starring film called The Fly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the best uh, 1950s sci sci definitely sci-fi horror mm -hmm. films because it's you know, it's basically Transporter Accident the movie, right? Essentially, <laughs> that's, that's what we're talking about here. Star the Star Trek writers owe a lot to uh, the writers of The Fly because how many episodes are based on Transporter Accidents? Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's essentially what this was. Um Incredible film originally uh, appeared as a short story in Playboy magazine mm -hmm. and then was optioned for the movie. And the movie is fairly, from what I understand, though, I've never read the original short story, was fairly um, faithful yeah, was to the short story by, with uh, a few was changes. George Langland was a, was a writer. The only yeah, thing, George Langland. I was going to read it and I slacked, but the only thing I heard that's different from the, the original story and the movie is later in the story he goes through the transporter again with the fly. Mm -hmm. to, he actually finds the fly and he's able to go through and try to mix but they end up getting mixed up with the cat that's still floating mm -hmm. out there in, in the <laughs> right. ether somewhere. Oh, and so he comes out as sort of a, a human cat fly or something but 
Yeah, I'll definitely have to yeah. read it. I mean, that's, that's just kind of what I heard, but. Yeah. No, that's yeah. I, I read that too, and that's strange because they do the bit in the '58 movie where he runs the cat through and it just disappears, and then he hears this meowing coming from the ether. Right, the Which cat's is very somewhere out there, but they never return to it. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. But they never return to it. Yeah. They never, they never go back to it. And when I was reading that about the short story, I was like, oh, that would have been that probably would have been more disturbing or way more disturbing <laughs> to audiences then another another change by the way in the short story from what i understand is i mean spoiler alert i guess yeah <laughs> spoilers um is that uh his wife commits suicide oh mm-hmm. after she yeah. after she kills andre instead of <laughs> living you know obviously instead of living but i read like maybe the first half of it and uh i, I don't know if she could have killed herself because in the first half anyway she's in the asylum you know in the movie she mm. gets she's about to be taken away at the end but in the, in right. the book or in the novel the novel in the short story she uh is put in the asylum wow, and she, she's in there she, for the entire story and that's where she tells uh francois and charis you know Chavas, yeah. Chavas, yes. Um, that's where she tells them the story from the asylum. Wow, and, that's uh, really reminiscent of Poe and uh, Lovecraft, and right, right. <laughs> yeah. In um, in my research, the Warner Brothers changed the book ending of her committing suicide, so as to give it more of a happy ending. Let's go to the zoo, Uncle. Oh, I'll walk you guys <laughs> to the car. Yeah, uh, well, that, that and I heard, and I heard that they did not do the uh, the fly cat person thing because they didn't have the money i mean the fly head the fly mask which i think is like one of the greatest masks in the history of science it is brilliant um that costs like 4500 bucks to make that mask so they kind of you know that's not even including his hand but (laughs) um (laughs) you know that kind of blew the budget on prosthetics or whatever so um they never got to do the, the whole cat transformation thing. Right. I rewatched the fly 58 last night and was struck by, um, he went by Al Hedison performance. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. He, that's a great job. I mean, he's, you know, as the scientist, he's, he's doing fine as an actor, but when he transforms into the monster, the, the physicality of what he's doing, the expressiveness just with his body, because he can't act, because most of it's he's got the mask or the fly right. head covered with the, the cloth, the physicality of it. And you can get the feeling that he's losing his mind just mm-hmm. through the physicality of it. He never utters a, a word, never, you know, he well, never he's speaks. A, yeah, he's, he never a, he's, fly, he's fighting with the claw. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And all yeah. he's trying to write stuff down. The claws trying to pull his hand away from doing it. And right, yeah. right. Which the '86 centered more on that, the slow degradation well, of him physically and mentally. Yeah, uh, it's interesting to compare the two, right? So you you've mm-hmm. got a 30 year difference, and you know you go from what they knew at the time of, of science and then we've we've got genetics right so uh the transformation in the 50s was whole parts so you mm-hmm. had a whole fly head you had a whole fly hand whereas uh and it's a quite stark and sudden transformation whereas mm-hmm. although as you say his mental degradation was slowly happening and then as far but then you go to the the 86 film with with Goldblum and it is a slow transformation as he is genetically transformed and mm-hmm. as as you know his proteins and everything are altered over time so that his fly genes are expressed so it's uh, and you know it's typical of Cronenberg right he's the body horror guy so you have to go through this horrible humiliating degradation of the body as his parts start falling off his teeth fall i mean it's 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 sickening and and humiliating in a in a completely uh different way than you know what we got in the first film although he doesn't seem to mind because it's like his ear falls off he's oh look at that 
Right. Yeah, he's using his mind. Yeah. yeah he's he's, he's got his, old medicine he's got cabinet. Whole ca- yeah, course. the whole collection in the cabinet. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, the Brundle Museum of Natural History. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, I was reading up on the first film and I found it interesting. Michael Rennie was offered the role of the scientist. Hmm. Interesting. That makes sense. It yeah. would have been a, a little bit of a different film, I think, at that point. Really would have. Michael Rennie would have been older than Al Hedison at that time, right? Wouldn't he have been? Yeah. I yeah. would think so. Yeah, so the physicality of the role might have been uh, a bit of a challenge for Michael Rennie. I don't know. No. I don't know. It would have been definitely a more staid kind of uh, performance, I would think. I don't know. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, I thought it interesting. Well, now, I didn't look back, but, you know, Al Hedison obviously went on to be David Hedison and yes. to Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea and, right. you know, Jury and Center of the Earth and what have you. Did he have any films before The Fly? That's a good or, question. Or was this like one of his first movies? That I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. I'm uh, yeah. scrolling through Internet Movie Database right now. There you go. And uh, it looks like he was in a film called Danger in 54, 11 O'Clock Flight in 55, a couple TV things. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing really major. Yeah, he was Lieutenant Ware in a movie called uh, "The Enemy Below." Oh, that's a that was a pretty big film, I think. And yeah. that, that was nineteen fifty-seven. That was right before the fly. Mm-hmm. So this was probably his big breakout part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually like met him at a WonderCon, and uh, he was like really nice, really great guy. We talked for oh, a while, cool. and. Yeah, there was a book out that I'll cover in the censor suite, but he uh, signed the book for me. Of course, he signed it. Help me, David Edison. <laughs> but uh, no, he, he was he was really cool. He, unfortunately, he passed away like shortly after that. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. That was rough. You know, another fun fact in my reading because uh, I couldn't figure out why all the French names. The original story was in French, and it took place in France. Right. Right. And so what they did in the film is they just moved it to Canada. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they went to Montreal yeah. or whatever. I love when, uh, you know, like Jean-Luc Picard famously has a British accent. You know, when you have all these French people <laughs> <laughs> speaking in, like, English. I, right. uh, I really was taken with the look of the film. You know, it's all bright colors, mm-hmm. uh, very vibrant. And, like, the laboratory, you have this bright blue and green neon and yeah. then when uh, he fires up the uh, the uh, teleportation cabinets, uh, it's there's like a blue and pink glow effect that happens, and it's really quite loud. I was sitting it, you know, watching this with uh, uh, Ensign Campbell on the couch. Uh-huh. He, he, when that loud crackle happened, he jumped. You know, we both kind of jumped. Uh, it's it's those, those, those lab scenes are, are really effective. Yeah. The movie was yeah. like in Technicolor. It was like beautiful color. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Which is weird and because Vincent, the, the two sequels were in black and white. Right. And Vincent yeah. Price said that that was absolutely ridiculous to make Return of the Fly in black and white when the first one was in such beautiful color. Well, I mean, mm-hmm. it's such a contrast because you go from color to black and white and you go from such a, a really beautiful mask to the big bobblehead they had in Return of the Fly. <laughs> Not and, only a uh, bobblehead, but he comes out like almost like a full one or two feet taller. Well, he's, got, up well yeah, he's got the big bobblehead, he's got the hand, and then it's also one foot. That, oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They so they, I just felt they added needed to add an extra limb for them. Uh, and, you know, when, when it comes to making a sequel to The Fly, yeah, it's his son, he goes through the same thing. What are the odds? <laughs> what 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 are the odds? Well, <laughs> another fly is well, going to get into another chamber with the kid, and that's going to happen. Yeah, but the fly same. didn't accidentally get in there, didn't his uh, his other well, last partner right. like Something put it in there. there with him? That's right, that's right. There was a whole under. Oh a, yes, played by David Frankham, who had, I've yeah. interviewed. Great he interview. had a uh, a fear of flies. That's right. And so when the guy who's trying to steal his experiment basically throws him in the chamber he catches a fly and throws it in there just because 
you know, he was afraid of flies. And then when he went yeah. through, then he, you know, he became, see now, you know, we've got the Brundle fly in 86. This is the bobble fly in Return of the Fly. <laughs> in Return of the there fly. you go. There you go. But yeah. I thought it was very interesting, though, that in Curse of the Fly, there is no fly. That's right. It's just that's the, right. the curse of the fly that's hanging over everything. And it's right. more like it's, a, it's more like a cops and robbers, you know, type of type of film. Yeah. And it's kind of the curse of the fly is more of a, a sequel in kind of a hammer Frankenstein sense in that it's this it's the children of the right. uh, Andre yeah. Delambre who are continuing the work and they're obsessed with perfecting the, the teleporter and along the way they make a whole bunch of accidents and of course they keep their accidents out in the stable like you do you know you have, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You have a bunch of genetic experiments and they go wrong you put them in your stable <laughs> let's save them we'll put them over here for safekeeping but, we'll save uh, we can't kill them that would be inhumane we'll just yeah. put them out in the stable but getting back <laughs> to the original fly though the original fly is the reason I'm here not just the fact that we're podcasting about it but that's the first sci-fi film horror sci-fi film that I ever saw Oh, so that started me down my path, started me on the journey to all this crazy crap that we do today. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It's not crap. Yeah, I was, over, I was over at a friend's house and basically he's like, oh, there's this cool movie today. You got to watch it. Go, let's go watch. You know, it was like on the it was on the 44, you know, monster matinee movie or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I sat down. And, yeah, I was a fly and I was just like totally amazed by this film, you know, it's like I'd been watching like, you know, the George Reeves Superman and Batman and, you know, things like that when I was growing up. But then suddenly here's a guy with a fly head. It's like, oh, man, this is kind of cool. <laughs> and off I went. There was no stopping me from then. <laughs> wow. Yeah, definitely. But film. being that it came out in 1958, I did not see it in a theater. Mm. Oh. <laughs> I, I have never it seen TV. it on a big screen. Come to think, no, I've never, I've never seen, seen it on any. Screen. I did see the the two eighties films when they came out in the theater, but yes. but not the the original trilogy. Nor have I seen them at any film festivals or you know movie events or anything like that. Mm. What did you guys think of uh, Vincent Price in this film? Because he's very much you know sort of. I don't want to say against character or against type, but he, you know, we normally think of Vincent Price in more nefarious roles. And here he's very sympathetic. He's very concerned for his sister-in-law. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a more it, tragic role than he usually plays. Right. Mm -hmm. and, yep. and I thought, I thought he came across very well. I mean, you don't normally get to see him do a, a part like this. Although I know before a lot of the horror roles, he actually was, doing more dramatic work but uh you know we normally think of him as you know dr fives and <laughs> oh yeah well this is things but i i really enjoyed yeah, yeah i was this, just gonna say i, I enjoyed seeing him do this right so 58 this was before the bulk of his of uh, his horror films right essentially well yeah before because it was all the all the poe films were in the 60s right yeah you know he had done uh last man on earth Mm -hmm. that, was, right. that was early 60s though wasn't it I, last man on earth I thought it was before this no, I do, yeah no I do think it was 60s I do think it was the 60s yeah I, th I think it was I think it was early 60s because yeah. I, I remember 64? we just did AIP yeah I think it was around 64 maybe we did the AIP thing uh, last month maybe yeah <laughs> <laughs> You know, it goes in one ear and out the other anymore. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it all runs together. Yeah, I mean, no, ask me no, a name of a Star Trek episode. That's interesting. Okay. Right. Was that Bob? I I just looked it up. It is 1964. It's 64. Okay. I guess because okay. it's black and white, I always think it's older. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So he had done. Um, Let's see. Before, oh, well, uh, well, his first horror role was uh, The Invisible Man Returns, I believe. Okay. I think you're right. I think so. 
I think I so. remember him in the Ten Commandments, but that wasn't really horror. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on your perspective, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But no, he and if you ask most kind of fringe or non horror fans, oh yeah, Vincent Price, yeah, he was the fly, right? It's like yeah. Well, exactly. Well, was, yeah, that's true. Was in the film. I want to say I've seen articles on the fly where they said, you know, and Vincent Price famously as the fly, and no, he was not the right. He was the troubled, sympathetic, or sympathetic, yeah, brother, yeah, who kind of had the hots for his sister, no, his yeah, sister, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, yeah, there's... film strongly hints that they are going to be together at the end of the exactly. film. The sun, yeah. Exactly. It's like, oh, yeah. nice, like you're saying, Larry, nice, happy ending, sure. The husband's dead, but here's the substitute husband. He's going <laughs> to yeah. come in. Exactly. So wrap it up and, with a bow. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a French story, so, you know, vive la France. <laughs> <laughs> la la. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah it, it, a tragic character because he uh, convinces Andre's wife to tell his story by telling her, yes, I've got the fly. And if you don't tell me what's going on, I'm going to turn it over to the police. You know how women are. Right? That's what the kid says. You know you know how women are. You know how women are. Right, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, 1958. Yeah. What are you can do? It, well, it, it, there's a lot of things in this movie that are, you know, indicative of the time. So there's the, a, the little bit of sexism and then uh, just the, the overall sort of uh, concern or fear of technology that's exhibited oh, yeah. by like the wife and some of the other people it's it's sort of flip-flops there's sort of that like oh you know maybe technology is a way to save us and we will you know achieve great things but then there's that a little bit of fear like oh we don't maybe we don't know what we're doing we're messing with god's creation mm-hmm. we've got to mm-hmm. be careful mm-hmm. yeah that was a hallmark of a lot of 1950s science mm-hmm. fiction the atomic age, right? So the atomic age. These mm-hmm. people had just seen, you know, nuclear weapons used for the first time, and it was kind of like, wow, we can do these things, and like, oh, wow, we can do these things. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. So are, are we going to talk about the big elephant in the room with this first <laughs> movie, or maybe it's the teeny tiny elephant in the room? Oh, that's the teeny elephant oh, my in the God. room. That scene terrified me as a yeah. kid, and watching it's, it last night, it's still disturbing. It's uh-huh. it's more disturbing to me than anything in the '86 Fly. <laughs> oh, honestly. oh! It, it, it disturbs me. It, it, it's the tiny little head, and then wondering how much of Andre is in that little fly. How how much awareness? Right. Because he's speaking English. I don't know yeah. how how much sentience is there. He is speaking English, but and it, it what made me uh, I was thinking too. He never once attempted to like fly near his wife to say, "Helen, help me." You know, right. like yeah, he's just flying around the garbage with the other flies and in the house, but, avoiding yeah. them. We know that the big fly. So it, you know, Andre with the fly's head slowly deteriorated. He started having trouble typing out words, so his mental right. capabilities were decreasing. Was the little fly's mental abilities increasing? I don't know. It's disturbing. I, I, I would have thought that the little boy, what was his name, Billy or Jacques? Philippe. Uh, Philippe. Little Freddy, who was his name? I thought it was Philippe. Yeah. The Philippe. Fly, when he Philippe. caught the fly, he would have been like, Philippe, help me, Philippe. <laughs> well, maybe when he, maybe he was flying around, maybe when he was flying around as a fly, it was a pretty good life. You know, he's flying around, he's checking things out, he's you know, <laughs> sitting on dog poop wow, or whatever. I mean, cool. it's a pretty good life, right? But now suddenly know. he's I, caught I in I a web. It's like, oh, flies. get me out of here. <laughs> I associate flies with dog poop for some reason. I, I don't know. <laughs> well, for good reason, I would say. Yeah, you're know, a fly. One without the other. You know, if you're a fly and you find a big pile of dog poop, you've hit the jackpot. So. Oh, you're in seventh heaven. I mean, yeah. you know. Right. To each so maybe, their own. You know, maybe, maybe it was a good life, and then suddenly he's caught in the web, and here comes this big spider, and it's like, oh, help me, get me out of here. Yeah. He he knew what was happening is what I took. Oh yeah, he definitely yeah. knew. Oh, whatever. Maybe it was a shot of adrenaline or something, and he, you know, 
And then you put yourself in his place with this big spider coming at you and you're caught in a web. You can't go anywhere. It's like, yeah, this is going to bite my head off here in a minute. And that that makeup with just, which is, and, and we should say, by the way, that when, um, both the tiny fly in the web and the fly with the fly mask on, that's all David Hedison. That's mm-hmm. not, oh, yeah. it doesn't it switch definitely. to a stuntman at any time. That's all David Hedison. Mm-hmm. And Correct. the makeup they put on him as the tiny fly, just the all white toothless, which I guess that's just the way he was holding his lips, I guess, because he looks toothless it's freaky uh-huh. and ball it just oh it is yeah terrifying at the voice <laughs> but just, see now ah, in, re- in return of the fly they just superimpose his head over a fly yes. and it looks really bad it's stupid it is so <laughs> stupid it's like After the hair it off and everything so like, well what? the first time then you come back and yeah yeah no that's yeah when the when the inspector throws the stone and and you know kills the fly and probably the spider too i was thinking like is he doing this really to put the fly out of his misery or because he just can't stand to hear this this screaming is it just like i i gotta get you know i think it was shock it's probably both yeah kill it kill i mean (laughs) supposedly vincent price and herbert marshall who played uh, the inspector just kept cracking up because it, yeah. it was just basically they were you know looking at this web you know they didn't have the this, this stuff in there and somebody off stage was over there going help me help me and they was just they were just <laughs> cracking up they couldn't finish the scene and it was like yeah and they were making jokes and everything else and you know yeah i read it took them all day to film that one scene because they just <laughs> right. kept on like losing it <laughs> You know, the other thing that struck me is, uh, besides how happy everyone was at the end of the film, well, I killed my brother. Yes, you killed my husband. Is how how thorough the police inspector, the cop, was able to say, you know, Vincent Price is like, well, yeah, we we can say that um, he committed suicide. Oh, we could. Yes, and we could say that she attempted. And they covered up the whole freaking thing in like (laughs) under two minutes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, I I didn't reset the counter uh, before you know the last time I used it, so that's why it struck twice. It's like, yeah, okay, that, it could be suicide. We could, yeah, we could pull this off. Yeah, but see, yeah, when, when, when he drops the stone on the uh, on the fly and the spider, then you know Francois or Vincent Price points out he's just as guilty of murder as she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then suddenly he's he's totally willing to cover everything up. Right, wow. right. Another big thing in the movie I noticed is how much they kept lying to that poor kid. <laughs> oh, your your father's going to be away for a while. He'll come back. And oh yes, your 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 mother is sick. You can't see her right now. But I'll take you to a movie. We'll go to a movie this afternoon. Yeah. Like, poor kid came, came back to bite him in the butt in the second film. All that uh, you know, plausible deniability and lying. Right. right. But yeah. yeah, there was there was one line I, I kind of liked out of that when uh, they finally were like honest with him about, you know, yeah, your dad's dead. He died in an experiment. Sure. And Vincent Price says to him, I wrote it down. He says to him, you know, your father was like an explorer in a mm-hmm. wild country. And I was like, oh, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of beautiful. It was. I mean, yeah, I you know, although he's, your dad cut turned into a horrible monster well, you know yeah, yeah leave that part out but right yeah, but right. that but that line that's what made him become the scientist mm-hmm. in return of the fly because mm-hmm. he wanted to be an adventurer he wanted to be like his father right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All, all those lies kind of caught up it's like oh i want to be like papa Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think overall, the uh, Curse of the Fly, the third film, although it's got a lot of faults to it, too, is a better sequel, although they they mess up the continuity. But I think it's a better sequel to The Fly than Return of the Fly, Mm -hmm. because, again, I mean, what are the odds, really? You know, whereas (laughs) in, in Curse of the Fly, it's more about the family and their brothers now, which popped out of nowhere. Instead of like right. one kid, they're, they're brothers who are sons of 
Andre, I believe. And they are working on this teleportation system, making a lot of mistakes, but they're so Frankenstein-like obsessed well, actually, with perfecting this thing. In Curse of the Fly, aren't they Philippe's kids? Oh, I, I thought they were Andre's kids. No, I believe they were Philippe's. Oh, I so, so they're the so the grandson, their grandfather. The, yeah, yeah. I see. Oh, yeah, that might be right. That might be right. Yeah, yeah. So they were they were Philippe's kids. So it was their grandfather. Because the when fly. they go when they go out to the property, they're like we're going out to you know this was grandfather's property or grandfather's. So yeah, I think it was Philippe's kids. Right, but they do they 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 screw up the continuity because they say in Curse of the Fly that the grandfather was reintegrated but the both the children one of the children carries a recessive fly gene mm. that causes him right. to age rapidly yeah mm. yeah so it's uh, overall as far just looking at it from a pure film perspective i mean return of the fly is fun and it's a fun it's a fun monster film but it it doesn't have that extra kind of um intelligence i think that the first fly well, film did the, the interesting thing of the of the first three movies is the fly is just straight out sci-fi horror contained mm -hmm. within the lab yes the return of the fly is almost like a monster on the loose right because as soon as he comes out with a fly head he's off right he's roaming the countryside killing people and things and yeah. then Curse of the Fly, again, is like a, a cops and robbers type story with the fact that they can transport between Montreal and the UK to get away or to get back, you know, whatever. Hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, they're to three totally different, almost totally different genres mm -hmm. within the three movies. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then the 86 film, you get the intense body horror that in a lot of ways is um uh kind of kind of faithful to the original to, to the, at least the the sense of the original story you know yeah. because it's all about the the degradation that he goes through slowly throughout the thing and i gotta tell you i think jeff goldblum was robbed of at least an oscar nomination for that film i thought he did an incredible acting job oh he was yeah he was Lord great i agree absolutely amazing i mean it was when he's under the full to act through mm -hmm. that much makeup and elicit that kind of sympathy. I mean, that's, you know, that's Lon Chaney level mm -hmm. stuff well, right there. Even before yeah. he gets in the makeup, though, he's got these yes. little mannerisms and these little ways of, that kind of gives off the impression that something's wrong. Something's going on. You know, this the, the fly is starting to kind of creep in there, even though he hasn't had any physical manifestations yet yeah he's a quirky strange guy definitely he's genius absolute yeah. genius but you yeah he's definitely quirky definitely weird gina davis who plays the reporter gets this kind of, she's attracted to him but in the beginning she gets this kind of weird you know what have i let myself in for right. <laughs> this guy is very strange well, and, and yeah. based on the guy that plays her boyfriend before Ugh. jeff Goldblum, she has a poor taste in men i was, I was gonna <laughs> say yeah she's, she doesn't exactly have great taste but uh yeah Goldblum does such a good job. I mean, he I, he's a quirky guy, so he plays quirky characters really well. But to be able to kind of balance both being um, sympathetic and mm. yet scary at the same time, there are times where you feel so badly for him, but you wouldn't want to be in the same room with him. Right. <laughs> you, know, you can't you can't trust him. You can't trust Brundlefly as he's changing, but he's still able to he's still able to elicit sympathy from you as he's mm -hmm. losing his mind, you know. Right. And at its base, this one or the eighty six ply is a love story. Yeah. Because that scene <laughs> where he's sitting there and he kind of like brushes by his face and his ear comes off in his hand. And he looks up at Gina Davis and says, help me, please help me. And she hugs him. Oh, it's like, man, if you can hug that when his ear just came <laughs> off, man, that's love. Well, and, <laughs> and not right. just his ear, but he had all that like spit. And, I was going to say he had just right. 
and the goo yeah. coming yeah. off the side of his head. Yes, that's love. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. some kind of fetish, one of the two. <laughs> well, <laughs> who's to say? <laughs> Maybe she really goes for goopy guys. But you know, they—it's amazing what they pulled off. Again, practical effects, right? So it's—it's it's makeup, it's puppetry. Oh. Um, there's some amazing stuff in there, and it, it just feels so real because it was on set. All right. Yeah. Was that Rick Baker? Well, look. Uh, I don't believe so. Uh, no. And no, I know. Chris, saw... Chris Wayless. Yeah, Chris right. Wayless. Right. Yeah. Chris Wayless. That's who right. actually, That's who actually directed the Fly Two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which explains why the effects in that were so <laughs> over the top. <laughs> and Zaniga, so that was good enough for me. <laughs> oh, that's right. She was in the Fly Two. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. yeah. What I found interesting is um, Brooks' company, um, oh, yeah. uh, Brooks, uh, uh, produced this film. Yeah, it was actually so Mel Brooks who uh, took sorry, the film to up? 20th Century Fox and got the financing together and everything else. He was trying to go into more serious films because previous to this, he did The Elephant Man. Yeah, yeah. So that was a, an interesting pairing between him and David Cronenberg, but it worked. I think it was because of him that it actually got made. Sort of like well, uh, heard, Lucia no Ball in Star Trek. Right. I had heard that when they, when they previewed it, or it was either preview or premiere, I'm not sure, um, some executives went and expecting – a Mel Brooks comedy. They thought, oh, he did, you know, he did a parody of The Fly, and they left shell shocked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Well, you know what's interesting is that um, there, you know, there were famously some some material that was mo- removed from the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's similar to like the sequence you you guys were talking about in the books with the or the story with the um, the cat. Fusing with the the fly man, uh, there was a sequence that they filmed for the '86 fly where Brundle Fly and his mad experimentation throws a baboon and a cat in the uh, teleporters and creates a baboon cat creature. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would have uh, been cool. Which, uh, yeah, is just non-function. It's scrambling around making noise, and so then it pisses him off and he grabs a pipe and he beats it to death <laughs> and then yeah. he climb he climbs up on the roof after that and enraged and starts screaming and slides down the, the building and then a a little insect arm pops out of his side and he chews it off anyway apparently in one of the screenings they did for it a woman in the audience threw up <laughs> and and i i don't think it they said well it wasn't because of the audience reaction to this sequence that it was because of pacing that they took you know that whole and and partially because oh. of some filming issues that they they removed it from the movie but i think that would have been just way way over the top i thought you were going to say i thought you were going to say she threw up because of the pacing it was a great <laughs> reaction <laughs> This movie's too but slow for me. If you, if you go on YouTube, you can you can see the raw footage on YouTube, and it is pretty. Uh, I mean, if you think the fly is already pretty gross, it, it that sequence is, is pretty. Uh, it's a deleted scene on the DVD release. Okay, yeah, yeah. it's pretty uh, yeah. pretty rough. I'll I'll tell you, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing is probably one of the most grotesque films. Well, other than some of the stuff that Will used to show at, at Thrillville, there were some like uh, Amazon <laughs> oh, like Extreme Gambles Elvis? Stuff. <laughs> Out of Bloody Apes and that kind of thing. Yeah, Bloody Apes. But um, I, I don't know. It, it it may have worked. I mean, the the, I, I'm, the thing I think about the thing, John Carpenter's the thing, is um, the doctor's hands getting torn off by that maw out of the torso and then the head dropping off, growing legs, and it looks like a crab kind of mm-hmm. walking around. You know, I, I you know I don't like, like, gore or slasher yeah. films, but the yeah. thing never bothered me because I think it was so abstract to me, mm-hmm. so out there that it just never really struck me as being really realistic. So it, mm. it just never bothered me. 
Well, if you think about the the 80s, I mean, that was like the highlight of practical effects. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm -hmm. You got the guy's head on the dog. Yes. Things like that. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's not, they can't just CG a head onto a dog. They had to actually make a practical effect to do that. The the 80s was kind of a golden age of great remakes. The Fly, The Thing, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, all. American Werewolf in London. I mean, that was the tale of, you know, the the Wolfman. Yeah, yeah, kind of. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call that a, a remake no. of because it's not it, it's it's a werewolf movie, but not mm. really. Re- Although I do love the the Benicio del Toro Wolfman. Mm. That movie gets a that lot of a, a lot one. of hassle. Well, I, I thought, really another, I thought another really good remake though in the eighties was The Blob. <laughs> that was, that a good was good. It's it's overlooked. Yeah, it is. I think so yeah, yeah. I love when the Blob slapped those people and just kind of disintegrated them like instantly. <laughs> <laughs> But it was a good, you know, like bringing it into what was then modern times type of thing. Yeah. So exactly. I'll, I'll tell you guys, there is, um, I think it's on Amazon, not Shutter. Um, In Search of Darkness is this like four-hour documentary of '80s horror, Ooh. and they they get into remakes, they get into the slasher films. You know, the the '80s just had everything. I I love the '80s music-wise. And film-wise, um, if you guys get a chance to check it out, um, it, it, it's out there and it's it's great. On so you Amazon, I want to say, Amazon? yeah, um, that sounds great. And what was the name again? In search of darkness. in search of darkness, um, uh, Lieutenant Jasmine had gotten the part two Blu-ray for me. Uh, I think for Christmas or our anniversary. And she, she did the, uh, it was a GoFundMe or Indiegogo. And my name is in the credits on the second uh, Blu-ray. <laughs> cool. Which yeah, was I've, cool. I've heard about that. There, actually, the guy who made it is on uh, Twitter. I see him frequently. I can't remember his name now, but it looks fantastic. So I've been meaning to see that. They do a great job. Uh, the, the second four-hour documentary in Search of Darkness too. I don't think is streaming yet. But they have like Robert Englund um, talking about his stint as Freddy. We're, we're going way off, <laughs> way off topic here. But if you guys get a chance, they're working on a science fiction one and there's a GoFundMe for that. Uh, highly recommend you guys Google it. Check it out. I just, I just looked it up and Search of Darkness is on Shudder. Shudder. Okay. Mm, okay. You know, the the Fly was, uh, I believe, a f- pretty successful uh, film. I Probably Cronenberg, I wonder if it might have been his most financially successful mm-hmm. film. Oh. Um, and I wonder if it's because, I mean, there are a lot of themes in here that I think might resonate with people. I mean, certainly um, in the 80s, you know, people have made the uh, connection between this film and you know what was going on with AIDS at the time um, a lot of people talk about it as being a, a parable like for adolescence <laughs> the, the transformations people go through with adolescence um, there's still a lot of um, thoughts about like being able to control your own body and not only with like Brundlefly but then there's the dream sequence where uh, Gina Davis's character you know she's pregnant and then she has that whole dream sequence where oh. she delivers the, the larva um, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of themes in here that I think are resonant uh, you know today not just for the, that time period but I think continue to be resonant um, and maybe that's just a, a common uh, theme with body horror in general because you know Hey, we, whether it's a hundred years ago or today, we have, we all have the same type of physical body and we go through the same process of aging and degradation and so forth. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people can take it to heart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. Body body is a, is a really rich vein of horror that so many movies and so many, you know, so many stories have, have touched on. 
Yeah. Because it is that it's we go through a version of quote unquote body horror as we age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can see yourself. <laughs> puberty. Puberty itself has an element of body horror to it, right? <laughs> True. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think what's in my mind, there's a natural progression as we age and maybe we don't like this wrinkle there or that but when we start going in to get nipped and tucked and i'm not knocking anyone who's had any procedures but you see some of this stuff going wrong or you see you know someone having too much work done and it just physically changes the look you know whether they add to the nose or take away from the nose or um, what's that Botox stuff that to the face and to the, I mean, I don't know. I, I just, um, well, I mean, look at, look at Michael Jackson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Total transformation. I mean, uh, yeah. And look, maybe uh, it, it's, uh, an emotional thing that they go through. I don't know. I just, it, it scares me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's there's um, it's it really is. I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking about fixing um, things that you want to change about your body, but specifically about aging and facelifts and that kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. like you're 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 fighting against nature. You right. are aging. <laughs> Feel you it. are going to age. <laughs> let me, are let me ask you guys this before we get uh before we get to our sensor sweep and all that stuff as we're coming up towards the end of the episode, I'd like to put a question out to each of you, each of the panel. <laughs> yes. If you could go through one of these pods with another animal, insect, <laughs> creature, what animal, insect, or creature would you choose to fuse with or would you not choose to fuse with another creature? Well, I would choose not to fuse with a stink bug. <laughs> as far I think of your superpower. As, right. <laughs> as far as what I would want to fuse with, oh, God. Um, I don't know. Maybe a cheetah or something. You run really fast. and mm, Cheetah and stuff, bob. I like it. Cheetah. So no stink bugs, but maybe a cheetah. <laughs> I would want I would want to fuse with a gorilla. Ah. Although I mean the change would be barely noticeable, I'm sure. But I would want to want to fuse with a gorilla. I would not want to fuse with like a spider mm. or something like that because I would even repulse myself at that point. I would, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> not a fan of spiders, Lord. Well, not a fan of spiders, but I a would gorilla crush myself. would be great. Yeah, didn't yeah. we Imagine see the? Imagine the career I could have in, like, Planet of the Apes remakes. <laughs> no digital makeup required. Yeah, the cosplay the would production. be fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Didn't we see this, the spider? It was on the uh, was on Star Trek, on, on Next Generation. They had that whole weird episode sure. where everybody, like, devolved. Yeah. And uh, who was it? Was Barkley turned into, like, a part spider creature? Barkley was the spider, was- right. Worf was the Klingon, like, monster thing. Yeah. yeah, the proto Klingon with the proto sacks. Yeah, not the finest hour, but amusing. No. <laughs> Yet memorable. Diana <laughs> turned into a fish. So, Karen, yeah. what, what are you? Oh, uh, so, Karen, what are you fusing with? I, I think we've all seen that it's probably best not to fuse, but <laughs> it is rather tan- it's rather tantalizing. Um, I think. Uh, you know, if we weren't the top of the food chain, then the cats would be the top of the food chain. So I'd mm. probably choose like a tiger. Interesting. You know, even though I'm a dog person, I love the dogs, but they're not going to they're not going to come out on top. So say, you, you didn't pick the dog. So all our lieutenants are, are all our ensigns are feeling kind of <laughs> left out. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to be bold and I'm, I'm going to go with the spider. Um, I'd love really? to be able to shoot webs out of my butt. I'd get a job as a juggler. 
Um, it would be very interesting and a very interesting life in existence. Maybe a little too interesting. It would be, be sort of like when Spider-Man became Man-Spider. Yeah, something like that. You know, it would be interesting, you know, hanging from a web and not having to use well, any of my arms. If, and if you had like eight eyes, you might be able to watch eight TVs. Yeah, I'd, I'd be swinging from the web, you know, just unclenched to let go. <laughs> Uh, we're heading into uh, Planet 8 After Dark again. Oh, I feel like I've learned so much about you now, Larry. <laughs> oh, my God. Web's out of your butt. Uh, good Lord, Lord Bloodrun, I've had over 30 years of this with this man, so I can tell you. Oh, okay. It's no surprise. No surprise. Well, on that note... <laughs> Uh, it is uh, that part of the show. Uh, unless there's any last-minute thoughts or comments on any of the Fly uh, movies, I, I know there was talk. Even Cronenberg was was working on some kind, maybe not a direct sequel, but there was something on the interwebs about him trying to get with 20th Century Fox. They interviewed Jeff Goldblum, and he's like, "The only way I do any form of a sequel is if Cronenberg was involved." and I mean, it's been five or six years since anyone said anything about it. Yeah, I think it was a comic series. Cronenberg doing a Curse of the Fly style sequel. I mean, imagine what he could do with, with a teleporter and his yeah. his uh, passion yeah. for body horror. Would be uh, right, right. Disturbing. Especially nowadays. Oh, God. Yeah. With digital effects. Yeah. It, it would be interesting to see where they take it or... Um, Who's the guy that did uh, House of a Thousand Corpses and he's a singer? Rob Zombie. Zombie. It was Zombie would be interesting to to do something like that too. Oh, I do. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> the, the scientist would be uh, like a horrible, disturbed <laughs> kind of red, red, redneck doing experiments in his <laughs> barn with, and of course, Sherry Moon Zombie would have to be in it. And oh yeah, way off a, subject. Yeah. Did you hear Rob Zombie is going to do a hard R version of the Monsters? No. Have you heard about that? Yes. He's I saw bits and pieces. Oh. But. A hard R version of the Monsters, and of course, Sherry Moon Zombie is Lily Monster, and um. Roebuck. Jason Roebuck? No, is going to be Grandpa. Not wow. Jason Roebuck. What's the guy's name? I can't I can't think of his name. Anyway, um, the only bright spot of that would have been if Sid Haig were still alive to see Sid Haig play Grandpa Munster. Yeah. Play an old, gnarled, R-rated Grandpa Munster would be fun. Other than that, that, I, that would have been fun. Well, you know, I actually, I actually really enjoyed Mockingbird Lane. I thought that was pretty good too. That was like a you know modern interpretation of the monsters. Uh, Jason Bateman was he in it? I don't know, but it was it was a it was a good adaptation. I thought it is Grandpa. Of course, it never went past Grandpa. It never went past the uh, pilot, but I think the pilot's on YouTube if anyone wants to look at it. I think so. Yeah. The thing I didn't like about it was that Grandpa was was dracula they say yeah. he is dracula and i thought he was he was really good in the role but herman is not the frankenstein monster no he's just something he's uh, grandpa had him built for his daughter which in itself is very right. strange, oh really but, but he, yeah he was stitched that. together and all but yeah. he just yeah. didn't have like the herman monster look right. very bizarre um yeah but mm. but i thought it worked in what it was it was good mm. yeah. It was fun. It was fun. Eddie Izzard definitely steals the steals the show. He was great in that, I thought. Yeah, he did do a good job. Mm -hmm. Okay, kids. Well, let's uh, – this uh, podcast, we have uh, Sensor Sweep with uh, Chief Engineer Bob, and then Lord Bloodraw um, will share some, some things with us. So, Chief, take it away. This is like a Sensor Sweep triple header today. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody gets a bonus. Well, keeping – I got one thing, too. Keeping within the uh, subject matter, uh, when I did meet David Hedison at WonderCon, uh, there was a book that came out called The Fly at 50. And it was by Diane Kochmar and David Goodsward, with a foreword by David Hedison. I got it signed, which was really cool. 
David Hedison signed to Bob, help me, David Hedison. <laughs> and then uh, Diane signed it. Uh, I did. I never did find the damn cat. <laughs> so, uh, but this book basically it covers. It has a very detailed telling of how the original film came together, how the cast came together, uh, how the film did, uh, the crew, and then they go into the sequels and the remakes, the fly in pop popular culture. Um, and then they also have the uh, original short story at the end of the book. So if you ever want to read that short story that was in Playboy, you don't have to buy Playboy and pretend you're <laughs> not looking at pictures. You can actually buy this book and and uh, read it from there. So this was actually from, uh, it was Bear Manor Media was the company that uh, put this mm. out. So uh, this was a while back in 2009, but if you go to bearmanormedia.com, then uh, maybe you'll find it. Maybe it's still in print. Uh, hopefully it is because it's, it's really good. And then the second part of the censor sweep, and I'm going to keep hounding on this, is May 14th, 15th, 16th. We are reopening the Balboa Theater with Godzilla's Monster Bash. And if you go to BayAreaFilmEvents.com slash GodzillaFest, all the information is there. There's going to be 10 classic Godzilla films, actually nine classic Godzilla films from the Showa era, and uh, also the X from Outer Space. We found a uh, print of that. So you get to see mm -hmm. Lala on the big screen. But right. uh, that will be... Friday, Saturday, Sunday, May 14th, 15th, 16th at the Balboa Theater. It is going to be about 60% capacity. And we'll do social distancing and everyone will have masks. So tickets are going to go fast. So definitely jump on it. BayAreaFilmEvents.com slash GodzillaFest. And there is a link to get your tickets. Uh, we can't have weekend passes or day passes because we have to assign seats and social distance everyone. So you have to actually buy individual movie tickets. But we'll have vendors and prizes and everything will be there. And this will be a precursor to our normal Godzilla Fest, which will be in August, when hopefully we can open the theater completely and we'll have guests and everything else. So uh, just one quick hint on that. Uh, the first, it's going to be two weekends in August. First weekend is oh, wow. going to be King Kong crashes Godzilla Fest and our guest, <laughs> our guest will be Linda Miller who starred in King Kong Escapes so uh, oh, and wow. she's also in the green slime so you can come nice. out and, and join us for that the second one is still under wraps and I'm talking to guests now so hopefully okay. I'll have an announcement soon so that's my double header sensor suite very cool nice right. Lord Blood Raw yeah, um, season 11 wow. of Blood Draws Nerve Rack and Theater premieres uh, May 7th. Uh, you can find it. The best thing to do is go to lordbloodraw.com to find out where you can watch it, stream it, watch it on regular TV, catch it on Roku or stream it and that kind of thing. Kicking mm -hmm. off with the seldom seen Boris Karloff film The Ghoul. Oh, oh, nice. Which cool. was, uh, it's very good film. Uh, Boris Karloff and Ernest Thessinger uh, ah. star, and it's a very fun uh, British production. It's a very good film. And uh, let's see, my Patreon is still going strong, patreon.com slash Lord Blood Raw. Uh, at, uh, there are two different levels. At the $10 level, you get access to Lord Blood Raw's Cathode Zone, which is a new weekly series that I'm doing, which uh, features episodes of classic horror sci-fi and suspense tv series uh, each one runs about a half hour and if you join uh the patreon at the ten dollar level you get um uh, a weekly episode plus access to all the uh, past episodes assigned photo an official geek certificate that kind of thing uh nice. monthly newsletter and <clears throat> excuse me and uh coming up um keep watching facebook and uh and the website because i've got a special giveaway 
hmm. for Patreon members that I'm going to be announcing around May 1st. And uh, something that you're that um, if, if you've been watching the show at all that you're going to want to get into. So check out patreon.com forward slash Lord Blood Draw. And um, you can check out the series there if you join at uh, the $10 level. And uh, yeah, other than that, the, the series is coming up. No live shows yet uh, coming up. Hopefully by the end of the year, a few things will be popping up. But uh, mm. yeah, that's what's happening. However... If you'd like to introduce a Godzilla movie or two, you're entirely welcome. Oh, well, thank you for the invitation. Let so me. If you want to see Lord Bloodborne live, <laughs> maybe we can get him out cool. there for Godzilla's Monster Bash. Well, we, we have a bonus uh, segment here. Uh, Karen, uh, our uh, resident uh, spy up in the spy satellite or reconnaissance well, officer i should not, say it's uh, not spying i'm just you know no. checking things out <laughs> yeah 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 of course of course uh karen take it away i just want to uh do a shout out here for my friend billy dunlevy's podcast magazines and monsters mm. uh, billy covers comics and uh, sci-fi films from the 70s and uh, he had me uh, come on his show the other day. We talked about a very obscure British sci-fi film from the 60s called The Unearthly Stranger. And this was a film I had never seen before. Very uh, obscure. It had John Neville, who uh, appeared in Baron Munchausen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, very, uh, very uh, quirky uh, film that... Uh, was you know I haven't seen a lot of British sci-fi, especially from that period, so it was a lot of fun to watch it and talk to him. Anyway, uh, just wanted to tell our listeners that uh, if they like our show, they probably will like his show too. So uh, check out Magazines and Monsters. You can probably find it on. I, th- I know it's on Spotify, and there's it's probably on a lot of other uh, podcast apps as well. Cool. All right. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't share something. Uh, unfortunately, uh, all four of us were not able to be on Creature Features, but the Chief and I oh, yeah. uh, were um, uh, welcomed by uh, Vincent Van Dahl and, and company. Uh, I believe the episode's going to air on Saturday, May 1st. Is that right, Bob? That is correct. Okay, so if you guys get a chance, uh, you can... Uh, locally, if you're in the Bay Area, it's on Coffee TV on Saturday nights at, uh, what is it, Bob? 9, Nine o'clock. o'clock. Okay. Nine o'clock or you can go to CreatureFeatures.tv. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't beam in Karen and uh, Lord Blood Raw was out um, <laughs> doing his thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the transfer pods we couldn't borrow from the, from the Fly movie. So... Um, <laughs> It was just Bob and I, and we had a lot of fun. <laughs> and luckily and... for you, Larry, no spiders were available, so uh, <laughs> you, you, you couldn't perform your new party trick on TV. And the movie that night was The Manster. The Manster. That's oh. Uh, great. So, so, so you can catch yeah. them on Roku as well and also on YouTube. So. Yeah, I, they were saying if you get a chance to go on, um, they're all over Vimo and or uh, Vimeo. Vimeo. Yeah, Vimeo. Vimeo. I'll I'll see what links I can put into our uh, site posting. Okay, all right, that sounds great. Well, look, you guys, this was a lot of fun. Um, we'll have to do it again. Uh, let's say in two weeks. <laughs> uh, Lord Bloodraw will have to find a fun project uh, to bring you back. Uh, Sounds to the great. Show. Just Always happy great. to be on. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Always All happy right. to have you. Stay safe, guys. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.blogspot.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet8 signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end.
I think you're making a mistake. I think you really want to talk to me. Sorry, I have three other interviews to do before this party's over. Yeah, but they're not working on something that'll change the world as we know it. They say they are. Yeah, but they're lying. There is a limit, even to the imagination. Human teleportation, molecular decimation, breakdown, and reformation is inherently purging. Where our greatest creations meet our deepest fears. Something went wrong, Seth. When you went through, something went wrong. You are about to go beyond that limit. weird hairs that were growing out of your back I, I had them analyzed but they were definitely not human if you saw how scared and angry and desperate he is I'm sure typhoid Mary was a very nice person too when you saw her socially no you're afraid to be destroyed and recreated aren't you you're changing Seth everything about you is changing oh no what's happening to me am I dying I want to know what's going on what does the disease want? It wants to turn me into something else. Oh, no. A fly got into the transmitter pipe with me that first time when I was alone. Don't go back to it. Could be contagious. Uh, I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ah!